Science, we have music. Put them together, let's use it. Wait, 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 wait. Let me be the substrate in your ear receptors. And let this not just be one endeavor. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get crunk on the science. Yeah, I pull the lever. And with the music, I just hope you say, dang it, clever, whatever. Bring it, master what matters. All the while, my life is scattered. You surge on it, general. I guess you're David Satcher. And you bet I got you when it comes down to the laughter. And whatever. Saturday from me, Ralph from the South. I'm the host that does the most, and I'm kind of toast right now because of pollen season. This is the podcast Scientifically Sound, where I introduce science and music all in one. If this is your first time here, I say welcome to you. Happy April, and more importantly, Happy last day of school for some of you. Happy day of last of classes for some of you. And happy pre-graduation season for a lot of you. Congratulations, you are almost there. And while I'm in the congratulatory mood, congratulations to Dr. Zanelle Blanchard. She recently defended her thesis and became a PhD holder at the University of Utah at Huntsman Cancer or Huntsman Cancer Institute. I also want to send congratulations to Dr. Margot DeBacher over here at the UMN Neuroscience Program. What, what? That's my friend, everyone. I'm so proud of you, too, of what you've done. I'm also proud for anyone that has defended their PhD, defended their master's thesis, or anything in reality, even if you've gotten a new job in industry or in academia or a government, I send congratulations to you. This is a shift in your time of whatever you may be doing in your career. And soon to be my little brother, matter of fact, you almost got it. It's so close, Daniel. I know you can taste the graduation. It's a special month, though it is the end of the month, but it's been a special month being that it's Jazz Appreciation Month. Jazz plays such a big part of my life, especially as I blast it while I'm doing experiments with Western blood or giving drugs to cells. And that's thanks to my dad and granddad and mom and all their friends, honestly, just playing jazz throughout the house, whether we're working in the house or in car rides nonstop. And to celebrate, I actually listened to some jazz live by Cornbread Harris, who's a piano player, very popular up here in the cold Minnesota. And it was just uplifting my spirits, especially with all that goes on in laughs. Sometimes you got to uplift your spirits when you've been working way too hard. I've also been trying to organize new experiments. Have you ever had an experiment where you've really done all of you could in reality, 
and yet not a lot is being yielded. And I know for me, I've grown because I've gotten to the point where I can let it go. Letting go of the experiment that you really want it to work, but also not only letting it go because it may not have worked or didn't yield the data that you wanted it to, but also picking alternatives. I can tell that I'm growing because now I'm thinking of alternative directions for the story I want to make with my project. However, it still hurts. You know what I mean? It hurts because when you see your friends graduate with different degrees and you see where your experiments are, you start to get discouraged. And to all of you who are going through that, you are not alone. But as we continue moving on, as we always have to remember that we are having our own individual marathon, you cannot compare. You can only do based on what you were in the past. And if I know anything of how I was in April of 2018, I was doing protein purifications and still not understanding what was happening with my plasmids. And now I do cell culture and combination therapy on prostate cancer cells. So the fact is I'm doing something completely different and I'm in a better spot. You will too. Trust me, you will. To kick starters off, since it's just me and you today, yeah, you who's listening, I have a question for you. You have a big meeting coming up, whether it's at a conference, whether it's your thesis defense, whether it's that big presentation you want to give to the whole company. Who is a celebrity that you would like to be in the audience to listen to your work? Now, I asked my best friends this and they were very like particular and being like, why would a celebrity want to be listening to my research? And I said, hey, you never know. I know there are some celebrities that are probably real huge nerds that want to hear our science. As for me, as for Ralph from the South, I would really love if Questlove was at my defense. I don't know what it is, whether it's the peculiarity of how he thinks, whether it's the fact that just seeing him with that huge afro just gives me some ease of mind as I talk about synergy studies or the fact that maybe as I'm talking he could start doing I don't know maybe some rudiments as it leads up to the climax of my presentation I just think it would be super fun to have Questlove in the audience while I did my thesis defense and if I couldn't get Questlove I would gladly take Childish Gambino just for the oddity of it. Like, this man probably understands anything. And I hear he currently is farming now. It would just be such a kind moment just to share with Childish Gambino about my research and where things go from here. I could ask him. He can even ask questions to me. And I'll probably respond back with questions such as, you know, when's the next album coming out? But anywho, let's get to the show. Today's episode is actually a revisitation for me. I was talking with a colleague of mine who runs a diversity magazine, and I was talking to him about different music and different concepts that you find in science. And one thing is for sure is that sometimes you have to revisit what has been already found or what you've already talked about in research to get new ideas from or to pull new ideas out or to flesh it out a little bit more. 
That's probably why a lot of our PIs and a lot of our mentors continue to say, read the literature, because as you read literature, you will find something new that can apply to your project. In this case, and since it's Jazz Appreciation Month, we're going to an album by Miles Davis. The album, Birth of the Cool. And while Miles Davis was steady cooling, a group of scientists would stumble upon the substance that can make us cool and calm. I'm excited to share with you. Let's go, Scientifically Sound. Hmm, how far should we go? 1950s. Yeah, that's that's where the cool was. The era of slicked back hair suit jackets were all their age for men poodle skirts widely swinging for the women and sock hops that were all their age they talk about sock hops a lot i wish i knew where the name came from on tv we would see people laughing at lucille ball and her goofiness on the show i love lucy And we can also become utterly confused by the hit TV show with a cult following even to this day, The Twilight Zone. The 50s. World War II had ended years prior and the Cold War was just coming up for us. In the jazz world, there was also a shift. At the time, years prior, The jazz that was all their age was bebop, fast-paced jazz that showed off the technique of all instrumentalists. It didn't matter who you were. If you could be the next Charlie Parker, you were hitting every lick. If you could be as bombastic as Dizzy Gillespie, you were hitting every note high and low. But amongst that time, there was a shift where a variant of bebop was being teased out. Elements were being taken into creating something called cool jazz, which would utterly be its opposite. You know, we have bebop, which is all fiery, with cool jazz, it's mellow. With bebop, it's all about the technique and up-tempo songs and showing out, so much so that people are paying not for in terms of the enjoyment of the music, but to be in awe of what someone can play and how fast. And you're trading it in for cool jazz, more melodic jazz, more mid to slow tempo, something more structured. It is in the 50s that one jazz trumpeter stands among the rest who will dip his toe in helping develop cool jazz and develop it a little bit further. The trumpet player, Miles Davis. Now, Miles was not a chump. Miles could play anybody under the table. Mind you, during the 40s and the 50s, he's being mentored by Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker. And this is in his younger years, like he's in his 20s, which is wild to me. But he decides to dip his toe in developing cool jazz, taking a different approach to what he would in bebop to the point that he formed 
a huge ensemble. He formed a non-ed. That's nine people in the ensemble. Very brass heavy and fairly peculiar orchestration. You know, you typically see a trumpet. You see a trombone sometimes. You see saxophone. You see a piano and a bass in jazz. But you never really hear a French horn and tuba getting into jazz. And that was due to collaboration on Miles Davis' part and Claude Thornhill, who was leading his own orchestra at the time. All that included multiple instruments, such as the French horn and tuba, Barry saxophone, as well as different string instruments. With the team set, it was time to arrange as well as record. This is happening in the late 40s, leading into the 50s. Now, during this time, Gil Evans, who was a part of Claude Thornhill's orchestra, as well as Jerry Mulligan, were also helping arrange the sound of what it was going to be like when it was time to record with Miles Davis. And they took to techniques that are in classical music, which was very common in cool jazz, such as polyphony, which is an idea where in terms of playing music, there are different independent melodies going on in a piece versus what you find in a lot of music where one voice, one instrument, is the main character, is the main soloist, and is playing throughout the entire piece. This is the bread and butter that will be used for years to come in cool jazz. It's, it was very common in Claude Thornhill's orchestra as they organized and arranged the music. Harmony is the main focus in how they created the arrangement, leading to more an impressionist style of music. Now, when I say impressionist, you're thinking impressionism. Overall, what I'm saying is this music is not for the technique. It's for setting a mood, expressing a certain mood or feeling within the music. It's very abstract, so much so that I think around the time of the anniversary, there was a mu there are music videos out now of Miles Davis music for certain songs, such as Moon Dreams and Boplicity. I love Boplicity, just... I played it in college alongside a tuba player and at least got a feeling of how it was to play in a non-net setting, at least with the tuba player. And you get to see how an artist portrays the mood and feeling of each song. The music was recorded and released in a huge compilation album called Birth of the Cool in 1957. However, a lot of the songs on the album were actually released at, on 78 RPM vinyls from like the 50s on up to the actual big release. Now, while Miles Davis was getting us to feel a mood in the abstract with his music, in the actual, a group of scientists would stumble upon a neurotransmitter in the weirdest of ways that we have now figured out is related to mood. But first, let's take a break and we'll get into that. Hello everyone, Ralph from the South here with the Song of the Sound for this episode. Take 5 by the Dave Brubeck Quartet. The lead single to their Time Out album, which was released in July 1st, 1959. This song was composed by the alto saxophonist Paul Desmond. And in the composition, they take advantage of a peculiar time signature of 5-4. 
apparently with this composition, it was so difficult to even record the session because it took 40 minutes and multiple failed attempts that they had to come back and record it again. And this is for a cool jazz type feel. Guess they needed to cool off a little bit and actually take five minutes. Get it? But after its release in 1959, about two years later, it will become probably one of the best selling songs and part of the best selling albums of jazz. The song was even inducted into the Grammys Hall of Fame with that as another additional song to add to your cool jazz list. Take five, take a listen, and let's get back to the show. Let's keep it cool and get back into the story. So we previously, before the break, talked about the development of cool jazz from the elements of bebop and how Miles Davis's Nanette would go forth and make a stamp on what cool jazz is and taking advantage of different techniques, such as polyphony, which is used in classical music, as well as harmonies that are expansive just to make you feel a mood. On the scientific side of the story, there was a group of scientists that have worked in different time periods and also together in order to tease out the role of a neurotransmitter called serotonin. Now, serotonin, for some of you in the layman, is a neurotransmitter that is able to affect mood, a little bit of cognition, as well as just elevate how you feel. With that in mind, you would think we would find serotonin in the brain first. Like, it's common sense. Like, this should have been the first place to look. But no, serotonin was actually found in the gut. In the 1930s, Vittorio Espalmer, an Italian scientist, would discover serotonin in the lining of our digestive system. He was doing his work and trying to isolate particular substances from gut cells, essentially, that cause smooth muscle contractions. So not only was serotonin found in the gut, it was also looked at in terms of experimental value causing contractions, which it does. And this was all before we would know about serotonin's role in our mood and mind. Now, Dr. Spalmer did not name the substance he received from the gut serotonin. He named it enteramine, causing confusion of who discovered it first, because across the pond at USA at the Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Irvine Page, Dr. Maurice Report, and Dr. Arda Green were working on the same molecule later in the 1940s. Dr. Page at the time was studying hypertension and looking into the constricting factors that play a role in hypertension in the blood. Unfortunately, whenever he was studying blood, another substance was always being produced as the blood coagulated, which got on his nerves and ultimately needs some people to remove this substance in order progress to be made on hypertension studies. He would then recruit Dr. Maurice Report and Dr. Arthur Green, two skilled scientists working together to get to the bottom of what this substance was. Dr. Green would actually work to prepare the rabbit ear artery preparation, which helped understand and study blood components that could lead to vasoconstriction. As you're circulating blood into the rabbit ear artery, the flow rate is very constant. And because it's constant, if you add drug or add any substance into the mix, 
if you see changes in the pressure, that's representative of vasoconstriction. Dr. Rapport will take this method and take it a step further in understanding the isolated substance from blood coagulation that was always interfering with the work with hypertension. Finding that it also can have vasoconstrictive properties and named it serotonin alongside with Dr. Green. Dr. Rapport would then go on to collaborate with pharmaceutical companies and laboratories in order to synthesize serotonin in order to be used for academic research. With serotonin out in the world to be used for academic research, this led the ultimate debate of who actually discovered serotonin first. More so with people leaning towards the Dr. Page, Dr. Green, and Dr. Rapport group being that they were able to put it out in the world for academic purposes, while Dr. Isbomber did not. Luckily, there's always someone around who is willing to set history straight. Funny thing is, they were a graduate student when they had this humongous finding. Dr. Betty Mac Tuarag was a Harvard graduate student at the time who was studying and identifying smooth muscle neurotransmitters that play a role in catch and mollusks. As she was reading papers on serotonin and their effects within the body, she also ran across papers in regards to enteramine, remember, that serotonin too, but that was named by Dr. Sparmer in Italy. With those papers, as well as the behaviors that each compound represented, she started to put one and one together and figuring out possibly that the two substances are the same. And after doing structural studies, ultimately found that enteramine and serotonin were the same thing. Mind blown. So she set history right. Dr. Esfamer was the first to discover serotonin, just named it different. And she would go on to then also find that not only is serotonin found in the gut tract, it's also found in the mammalian brain, which tees up studies of serotonin in neuroscience. And this is within the mid 1950s. And as our time here in the 50s draw to a close, her work would then go on to inspire different neuroscientists to use LSD, which is able to bind to serotonin receptors and correspond to behavior to mental illness, leading to proposals that will find that serotonin regulates our mood and keep us cool, calm, and collected. Thank you so much for listening to Scientifically Sound today. It's always appreciated on my end. For those who love listening to some music history, some science history, some goofiness on my end, some nerdiness on another end. If you'd like to follow us and keep up with our shenanigans, you can follow us at Scientifically Sound, all one word on Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at for the number four, the sci underscore sound. You can also email us at for the number four, the scientifically sound at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you want, just tell us that we're doing a good job. It's always appreciated as you listen to these episodes that share with your friends, share with your family, and particularly share with your fellow musicians. 
to all my musicians there's so much great science being done while we're making the tunes that we love to play be in the loop i hope everyone had a wonderful jazz appreciation month as it comes to a close listen to some of the jazz i talked about today and go on your own journey and listen to some jazz preferably maybe as you're working in lab bye